Welcome to Humans of CX, a podcast powered by OzoneTel. We share the latest insights in customer experience from industry experts to help you humanize your approach, placing empathy at the center of the customer experience. I'm your host, Todd Vecca. Welcome everybody to Humans of CX. I'm your host, Todd Vecca, and we are joined today by the lovely Jenny Dempsey, Consumer Experience Manager at Appeal. And today we are specifically talking about customer feedback. So Jenny, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you, Todd. Thank you for having me. Jenny, why don't you just tell our viewers and our listeners a little bit about yourself and your career, please? Absolutely. So I have been in the customer experience, customer service realm for about 17 years now, which sounds crazy. I'm currently the consumer experience manager for Appeal Sciences. We make a plant-based protection that goes over fruits and vegetables and they last longer, stay crunchier and juicier. I have been in a variety of roles from frontline to supervisor, manager, director level, and everything in between. I have an online course. I write a blog and I just like customer service and customer experience. So here I am. <laughs> That's fantastic. And we're going to get to all those things. I'm glad you brought that up. What um, Was there something specific that maybe drew you to customer service or what do you like about it specifically? Yeah, well, it's funny. What drew me to it was I was in college and needed a part-time job and it was it seemed easy enough. <laughs> Honestly, that is the bare bones answer. I did not think that this was going to be something that I was going to end up doing for years and years. It was just not on my radar. And so what was funny is that once I got into it and was like, ooh, I kind of like this and ooh, I'm kind of good at this and I'm getting good feedback on like how I'm doing. And so I just stuck with it. And the companies that I worked with over the years were incredible. So it was easy. It was just easy to stick with it. I was always learning and um, it was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of have a similar story how I fell into it. Let's talk a little bit about feedback, specifically customer feedback. Why is that? I mean, it sounds maybe obvious to people that do this every day, but why is it so crucial and so important to kind of get that feedback? Oh, gosh. Well, I think like... On the the basics is like we're in it every day. We're working in this product. We see it every day. So we don't have this like a view of it uh, from an as an outsider. And so when we think of customer feedback, I just see it as like an opportunity to really look at what is going on with the software from a whole new perspective and get all sorts of new insights. And it's like gold. I feel like you can take what people are saying and make it actionable if it applies and improve and be more successful in your business. And uh, the customer feels heard and stays loyal to your brand. And it's just like a (laughs) win-win. Yeah. So to take that a little bit deeper, and it's a great answer. How can businesses, like if we were to put our consultants hat on, how can businesses kind of incorporate that into their strategies? What do On the business side, how do they kind of plan for that and maybe do a better job listening to their customers? Yeah. Well, I think asking is the first thing. Asking for feedback, whether it's external customers, the customers that are paying for the service, or internal customers, our team, our, let's say the agents on the front line, or people in other departments who are still using the software and working together. So really listening and doing that by asking. And the second part is if it's actionable, or even if it's not actionable, following up and making sure everyone feels heard. And whether this is an automated process or whether this is something that someone on your team does on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, however that looks, like 
making sure that everyone who sent something over, who took the time, because how often is it? I mean, for you, Todd, like even myself, like, yeah, I get surveys. Do I do them all the time? I work in this field and no, I don't. And so when I actually do, it's like, it's awesome for companies who then reciprocate and like, oh, thanks for that feedback. This is great. Like we might not be able to do this right now, but hey, thanks for following up or like just the acknowledgement. So it's kind of this like, the closed loop. And if businesses aren't doing that, I just feel there's missed opportunities. I totally agree. And I like that you brought up automation. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But are there any specific feedback methods that you use? I mean, you touched on surveys. And honestly, sometimes it's the survey itself that's aggravating, right? Like I was fine until I saw the survey and now it's just either too long or you're not asking the right questions. Any other methods that maybe we didn't touch on yet? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go a little bit more like human to human and step outside of surveys for a little bit. Like, let's say our frontline agents are talking to a customer and a customer says something about the product or service that is like a really great option, maybe something that they can incorporate down the road, giving that frontline agent an opportunity to submit that feedback somewhere, to do something with it. Like this is the stuff that the customer is probably not going to write in about. This is the stuff that like may get lost in translation one way or another, but like encouraging those on the front lines to have a funnel to submit feedback and to know that it will get heard and potentially be something actionable and also measured. At the end of the day, that type of stuff can be measured if you're getting a ton of requests for a certain thing. And so really empowering frontline agents, supervisors, managers, anyone in the company to be able to submit that feedback. So that's kind of just another route to take. Because again, customers aren't always going to fill out those surveys. And doing this in more of an organic form to get the feedback is a cool opportunity as well. Terrific. And there's an estimated stat that 9 out of 10 people actually don't even take the time to report bad customer service. I don't know how we got that stat if they're not reporting it. You know, we, There's some insight to that, but how do we help that? So maybe is it being more proactive or maybe just doing a better job of understanding what they want because that seems pretty high. So we know about some things, we have some data points, but there's still 90% of the people that aren't even telling us that we could be doing better. We maybe lose them as a customer and we never even know why. Right. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show people think that companies aren't going to listen. That is just the stereotype. People are like, yeah, no, like I'm not going to tell you what doesn't matter. It's not going to make an impact. I'm just one person out of thousands of customers. So, and I'm in that boat too. A lot of the times I'm like, yeah, they're never going to get back to me. I'll never hear from this. Why bother? Like I have better things to do with my time. And so for companies, sometimes there's outreach opportunities. I've heard of companies where this may be annoying, but like if someone cancels, there's someone that follows up and not doing it in a salesy way. Like that's kind of the thing also that people are not going to submit feedback if they choose to go somewhere else because they're like, oh yeah, this company's just going to try to get me back and they're going to lure me in with some discount and other BS. And it's just like, it becomes like, yeah, I'm just a number. Like they don't really actually care about my experience. But if someone's sitting on the phone and like, yeah, like tell me what happened. I'm not here to sell you anything. I, you may leave, but like, tell me what happened. Like, if there's someone that plays almost like a customer experience psychologist in a way, like talking through like what happened and understanding it, and maybe there's no action with the customer, but them simply being heard and that feedback being taken into consideration for future customer experiences. I mean, that's a step above and beyond. Most companies are not doing that. They don't have the bandwidth, the time, money, whatever it is. But imagine if they did. It could change the game. Absolutely. I've been trying to cancel my cable TV for about 10 years and they 
they keep getting me back with something. Yeah, they got me back with Game of Thrones, so I'm, I'm trying, but they're actually pretty good. <laughs> Ooh, nice, nice. <laughs> Let's talk about your online training course and your blog a little bit, if you don't mind. Can you maybe give us some more specifics and, you know, people that aren't familiar with it, what you're doing there? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so basically I created this course to help frontline agents that may be people that are new in customer service and aren't too sure how to navigate customer situations, angry customers, how to still take care of yourself while working with customers, how to handle escalations and work with different types of people in different departments. And so I created everything that I learned basically in almost two decades of experience and put it into this course and kind of this fun way to engage with people. There's activities, there's games, there's kind of cheesy, cheesy, I said that in quotes, cheesy ways to understand customer service because at the end of the day, it's just people helping people. And so I wanted to create something fun and really connecting with people about customer service, no matter what department you're in. I think that's the most exciting thing about the course is that anyone can take this and leave with a newfound understanding of customer service and experience and understanding how they work together in any department. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll definitely put the links to that in the below. So we'll, we'll help promote that. Thank you. So in staying on that topic a little bit, let's talk about social media. How has that helped or maybe in some cases hurt kind of the whole idea of consumer experience or customer experience? Any examples of that? No, boy. It adds a whole new level of flavor to the game. Social media is like it's that real time. And so people expect real time answers. You leave a comment on a post, people are going to want help. It's public facing and other people are going to read that. So if you're not on it and you're not responding let's say even within 24 business hours, like it just looks bad because other people are reading that. And if they don't like what they read, they're probably not going to buy from you. And same goes with like direct messages. It's a more personable way to connect with your customers, like in the real time, like this is where they're at sharing stories of their life, their kids, their dogs. And so this is like who they are as humans and businesses have this opportunity to interact with them as humans, they can go to their page. I've had businesses where, you know, I'll send them messages and they connect with me, then they start following me, then they start commenting on my pictures. And it's like, it becomes more of this like, oh, this brand is my friend. And I say that in quotes too, but they become more of like a part of your actual day to day life. And so the expectations are raised as far as getting answers to things. If someone has a bad experience, oh, they're going to post it all over. And it is your responsibility as a brand to make sure that it's resolved to if you need to move it from public facing to direct message, like however that looks for your brands, but really not letting things hang. You've got to respond to these. I think the other challenge that comes into play is that call queues are really long and sometimes email response times are really long. So if someone tries to call in and they can't get an answer, where are they going to go? Social media. I just, my boyfriend just had this experience last week. He couldn't get a hold of a company. He's like, I'm not time to sit on hold for 45 minutes and wait for someone. I'm going to go to Twitter. Went to Twitter, sent a DM. It was taken care of in like 10 to 15 minutes. That should not be the case for most companies. It should be more efficient across whatever channel they're communicating on. But looking at the importance of social media for instant answers and um, continuous follow up to close the loop is, it's just, the expectations are very high. Yeah, 100%. We just heard a few examples earlier this week 
where a customer from somebody else obviously was on a web chat and just nobody ever got back to them. So they said, okay, I'm just taking my business somewhere else. I mean, you can't just abandon these, these types of channels, not in this right. day and age. So a little bit on automation, because that's kind of the world that I've been involved with in technology and that whole balance of how much do we want robots to do and how much do we want that human connection? Do you see a difference in the demographics and you know, maybe is a little bit of it generational or how does it all work together where we can provide an omni-channel experience to what the individual consumer wants, either the way they want to communicate with the brand? That's such a good question. I think generational aside, people are going to communicate how they want to communicate in that moment. And they just ultimately want the answers, either to a question or they want a resolution to a problem. And so they are going to find the way to connect. Like if it's easy for someone who's a little bit older, like my dad, if it's easy for him to go to a website and use the self-service tool, he'll do it. But if it's a little more complex and clunky, he probably won't. And he's probably going to want to call in. But at the end of the day, across the board, no matter what I see from working years and years of working with customers, the human interaction can't be beat. Some people just want to talk on the phone and they want to make it quick and snappy. Like it, generational aside, again, like it's just people want whatever their question answered or their issue resolved. And however that's going to happen and whatever the easiest way and quickest way for that to happen that's going to be the answer right there. Because there's so many great self-service tools out there that are clunky, that don't get you the answer, that don't understand what you're saying or typing. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't care. Just get me to a person. Like That's such a waste of time. Like If you can do it right, awesome. Self-service is gold. And if it's easy to use for everyone, whether they're younger or older, cool. But if it's going to take... like There's a learning curve or it's going to take a while or it's just not as robust as it should be, it's just not going to work. And so I think the human interaction is always going to be necessary just because some things involve a little bit more. They're a little more complex than a self-service tool can handle. Absolutely. Great answer. So let's switch gears a little bit. Talk to me about feedback funnels. What are they and how are they effective? Oh man, they're so effective. I just, I feel like having organization around feedback, getting it where it needs to go it's like absolutely crucial. It just seems silly. It's like using Google Maps to go drive on the freeway and like you need to know where you're going. Like it's the same thing with feedback. Like if there's no way or no process to get feedback from one place to another, it's gonna get all mixed up. It's gonna get all jumbled and no one's gonna know what to do with anything. It probably won't help your business at all. And so from the frontline agents to other people in the company to customers, like knowing how feedback goes from one place to another, who's asking for it? Where does it go after it's asked? How is it organized? How is it? How do you count the data? How do you measure it? How do you know what you're actually working with? It's a whole structure that you have to create. And it's just web, a web of like going from one place to another, but it's very strategic and very organized. And that's what keeps it efficient. And then it gets into the right hands. So feedback that needs to go to the quality team, that's delivered on X day. Here's what they need. Talking to those teams to ask them what's going to help. Because that's the other thing I notice is that like in customer experience, we can't just expect we know what other departments, whether feedback that they want. And so asking them, what's going to help you? What do you want me to measure? What do you want to see? Do you want to see quotes? Do you want to see numbers? Like really talking to other departments and understanding that. That way, when you create these funnels, they're efficient. And the information that the other teams need gets from one place to another. So they can actually do something with it. Like giving feedback about a positive experience to the finance department 
sometimes they're like, oh, that's nice, but I can't do anything with that. But understanding like, oh, they want to know numbers from X, Y, and Z campaign. Cool. I can give them what they need versus like the marketing team. They want to see all the fun, positive stories and that's what they need. So really putting it into different categories, understanding what other teams need and want to help support them and having it be very organized and efficient, just like a freeway, just like a big web, you know where you're going and things are actionable. Whether or not they become something, we can't prioritize everything, but just knowing that it's heard and it is reported and accounted for and measured and all of the things really goes a long way. And you can see that over time by staying consistent. There's also presentations you can do. There's just so many different ways to present the data But again, going back to staying consistent with those funnels and having it organized is going to just help in the long run. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. One kind of world event topic we can't ignore, obviously, is the pandemic of the last couple of years and how that's changed business, right? More people are working from home and in some ways things might be better, but how is that kind of affected as a whole customer experience, whether it's being able to manage your teams or knowing that you have the correct tools and processes in place for these agents and the frontline folks to still be able to care for the customers? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, it's really helped us communicate better, I think, in a way. We've had some challenges, like we're not sitting next to each other in tiny little cubicles anymore. You know, we are. Yeah, right. Thank goodness. We're talking on video or we're talking on a phone or we're slacking each other. And so really understanding how to kind of over-communicate in a way and build trust in a new way. I think that's also a huge one. How do you trust your team? And as far as tools go, sometimes the tools that we had when we worked in an office are just not going to be as efficient when we're working remote. But the only way to really gauge that is not by just the manager sitting there saying, you need to use this. It's by saying, hey team, what's working, what's not? And like working together as a team, because that's going to build the structure. Like, we have to work a little bit harder at connection now. Like it's just how it is. And so, cause sometimes like typing a Slack message, you can't necessarily read someone's body language that way. You don't know the tone of voice. You have to kind of learn who that person is. And so sometimes that takes a little extra time and effort. And so building a team is definitely more challenging this way, but not impossible. It just requires asking more questions, being more curious about what's working, what's not, providing support and flexibility around what's going to make this person the best version of themselves to support our customers. And it you just got to ask. You have to ask. You have to talk through it and then provide solutions. It's just like what we would do for customers. I love that. So I'm going to ask you to just kind of have a crystal ball for a minute. What do you think this looks like in five or 10 years? How does this change in any number of ways, whether it's people, process, technology, something we don't know yet? What's your prediction on where this goes? I think my prediction is is that people really get put higher on the pedestal. So good employees are recognized and acknowledged more and more. Good customers are recognized and acknowledged more. And I say good in quotes, but like just people that provide value. Customer experience is going to be brought up higher. Employee experience is going to be brought up higher. We're already seeing these things because it's so hard to find employees that are going to be efficient, productive, and love your customers. And so as a company, just going back to internal customer service, we have to treat our employees just as good and make sure that if we're treating them well, it could trickle over into the customer experience. And so I think that is really going to be the biggest thing. We're going to see a lot of shifts. And it's not just about 
perks. Like back in the day, I was like, oh, we got snacks in the office. Remember those days? And that was like a perk. And it's like, now it's like, no, no, no. Like the perk might be like, you work four days a week instead of five, you know, whatever that might look like. There could be so many things company by company, but it's going to be drastically different because it fits who we are as humans, human employees, but also who the customers are as humans and treating, I guess, treating everyone more human rather than robots, even though we have more robots now to really help us be more efficient. It's kind of funny. <laughs> we do. They're taking over. Skynet is self-aware if someone's old enough to understand that reference. <laughs> so we talk a lot about kind of the trend or whether it's a buzzword or not of quiet quitting. I still remember a time where you went to work and whether you were happy or unhappy, you did your job and you pretended to like it and you went home. Well, there's been a paradigm shift where people just aren't going to take that anymore. So employees need to treat, yeah, companies need to treat their employees the same way that they're treating their customers because there is that trickle-down effect. And it just hurts the company to not do that, to not enable their employees as well. So yeah, I like that. So one thing from going to your website is I found out that the organic apples at the grocery store that I shop at is a peel. And I never knew and I never would have made that connection. So I just kind of love, love the brand. It. I love everything that the company is about. Is there anything else that maybe the subscribers need to know specifically about preserving fruits and vegetables that uh, maybe we don't know about? Oh my gosh, Todd, that's so rad. I love that. I think one of the biggest things just to think about like the supply chain in general, which I never really considered this. You go to the grocery store, you pick up an apple and you go home and you eat it, peanut butter and blah, 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 end of story. Like, but just thinking about the supply chain in general and how food waste at the grocery store is such a big impact. And there's, you know, how many grocery stores across all different countries. And so thinking of, one apple that might not have gone to waste and how many apples that adds up to every year and how much food that is not wasted, that doesn't contribute to different greenhouse gases and helps to make it so it's easier to take different, the apples will last longer and when they're being transported from the farm or the supplier to the actual store. There's just less waste across the board. And so that really is exciting to me because I know like sometimes it's just, I just don't think about it. And then it's like, oh, but there's actually a lot that goes to waste that the grocery store is not able to sell or that the supplier isn't even able to give to the grocery store. And now this is changing the game around that. And so when we hold that one apple in our hands and just think about the power of like, this is one apple with many that did not go to waste and I'm buying that and I'm going to eat that and I am part of that. It's just kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Is there an underrated fruit? We're going to get like, these are like fun questions now. We're at the point of the show where now it's just fun. Is there an underrated fruit? I have one, but I was going to ask you first. Oh, underrated fruit. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't know. And maybe this is more of a seasonal thing, but I'm a huge fan of persimmons. And I don't hear a lot about persimmons out there. They're kind of hard to find and they're not always that good at the grocery store. You kind of got to go to a farmer's market to find them. And like not many people talk about them or are willing to try them. They think, oh, they just look weird or they look like little pumpkins or I don't know. And so I feel like persimmons are just really just the most delicious gems, very versatile and uh, more people should give them a try. I don't know. What do you got? What do you got? I'm so curious. I don't have those in my groceries. I think you're making up words. We don't have those on the East Coast, so I'm not convinced that exists, but uh, no, we don't have them. Great. To me, it's grapefruit. I know some people kind of complain about peeling. I just think grapefruit are incredible and not enough people talk about it. They're not like one of those core fruits that are mentioned, but I think they're amazing and I eat them quite a bit. So that's mine. 
I love that. Cheers to grapefruits. And usually it's like grapefruit juice that you hear about, but not the actual grapefruit. So I like that. That's super cool. Absolutely. I like the juice too, but the fruit is awesome. So another yeah. recurring question that we have on this kind of taking a life of its own is, is we're calling it the CX party bus. And basically the question is, if we were to, if I were to rent the CX party bus, which I'm now thinking about doing because it's kind of taken oh, off. Yes. Who should be on this? <laughs> Who is in CX in your life that if we were getting this bus together, let's make sure we go pick up so-and-so a few people. Oh boy. All right. All right. So I'm ready. We got to start with Nate Brown because he will be the life of the freaking party. Next, I'm going to say Leslie O'Flahaven. She's going to, she'll be on that dance floor. I know it. I'm going to add Jeremy Watkin, of course, Jeff Toyster. They'll be there. They'll kind of probably be hanging out in the back talking to each other, but maybe get a little dance in every once in a while. Um, I'm going to add, let's see here, Shep Hyken, of course, because he plays guitar. He'll probably stop and like do a riff or something on his guitar. And I'm going to add, let's see, Erica Mancuso. She's just a freaking blast. She's just so much fun. I know she and I would be out there on the dance floor. Murphy Frazier. And I think that might be, gosh, I'm trying to, I feel like there's so many people that I would add, but those are, those are who's coming to mind right now. Awesome. Nate Brown gets so much love on the show. I think he owes me a residual at this point. Everybody mentions him as he's going to be driving the bus. So that's awesome. (laughs) Love it. What advice would you give yourself just starting out in custom? Like if you were to go back and tap yourself on the shoulder and say, Hey, just, I want to let you know this, you're about to get into consumer experience. What would you tell yourself? Oh, that's a good question. I think I would tell myself to have a little more fun and be a little more curious. Because I think in the beginning, I started out and I thought I had to be so professional and not really get to know customers on a human to human way. That I learned over time. And I think like if I would have started out kind of doing that, I feel like there might be more opportunities to build relationships and to learn more and to really like connect with people on different levels and get me really more excited rather than it just being the day-to-day job. And so, yeah, that's what I would definitely tell myself. Oh, great answer. And so we're coming up on a half hour. So yeah, I could talk to you forever, but unfortunately <laughs> we have sponsors and people that cut me off anyway. So <laughs> the last question is really just a couple minutes or however long you want on a kind of a shameless plug. What are you working on? We talked about appeal. We know you have online training and a blog, but what are you working on? What's next for Jenny Dempsey? Ooh, all right. Well, there may or may not be uh, future courses. So I'm kind of thinking about those. And also, I just, I think uh, work-wise, I'm really talking about feedback. That's one of the biggest things that I focus on. And I'm just continuously trying to work in appeal and work with different departments and find the more efficient ways, like even more than already doing, how to get feedback to different people and how we can all use it together. And so I really think it just, in the day-to-day, like I'm doing the job too. I'm in the trenches, I'm doing it. And that's just what I continue to focus on and do my best. And uh, in the meantime, having fun creating some courses, writing some blogs and tweeting up a storm. So (laughs) That is awesome. What a great way to wrap. Uh, Again, for those who may have joined late, we were here with Jenny Dempsey, Consumer Experience Manager at Appeal. We had a great time. And Jenny, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. And it's been great getting to know you and kind of looking at your stuff online. It's been really helpful. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Todd. This is super fun. I'm so glad you found the apples. And um, <laughs> thank you for having me on. It's been a blast. Absolutely. 
Thank you for listening to Humans of CX, a podcast brought to you by Ozone Tell. If you enjoyed today's show, visit ozontel.com to learn more about how our robust omni-channel communications platform makes it the industry leader within the customer experience space. You can find Humans of CX on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as well as other platforms that are featuring podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you so much for listening.